My name is Jeff. I came from the 80s. My name is Ryan. I came from the 90s. And this is Put Up Your Spooks, the podcast that pits reviews of our favorite horror TV shows in a bloody knife fight. Special guest this week, Ryan Moore. Ryan, more scary things to talk about. This week's theme, Ventriloquist Dummies. The first episode we have for you this evening is a little tale I like to call Goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Night of the Living Dummy 2. Perhaps the 2 is in reference to the fact that the book was 1? I don't know. It's very confusing. There's about 10,000 Night of the Living Dummy episodes of Goosebumps. We open on the most dysfunctional family... I've ever seen committed to film. Why are why dysfunctional? Because they've gathered for family show and tell, which is a thing they do every week, and they all enjoy it. They have there's a mom, a dad, and three kids, and none of the kids are complaining about not wanting to be there. They're all like, "I want to go next. I want to go next." I got the sense that it was more like mandatory family therapy activity and each one in the family is a narcissist each one in the family is definitely a narcissist and they're all secretly broken because secretly nothing no secretly broken (laughs) they are publicly broken well yeah but but the younger brother takes his like secret candid camera video of the mom breaking her diet 90sism the dad trying on a toupee in the like when he thinks no one's looking the middle sister trying on her older sister's sweater which will come into play later. Anyway, they're all gathered around for family show-and-tell. They're all having a rip-roaring time. And the middle child, Amy, her big thing is she wants to be a ventriloquist like all kids in the 90s. So she and her dummy, Dennis, get up in front of the whole family, and they're doing their routine. She's not too bad, but right in the middle, her dummy's head pops off. And she throws it to the ground in a rage. This bullshit dummy. You promised you'd get me a new fucking dummy, dad. And he says, whoa, why don't you look behind the couch? And she says, whoa, whoa, what? You got me a new dummy? And he's like, well, in a manner of speaking, I actually bought you a dummy from the junk shop that's a billion years older than yours. But it's new to you. And she's like, thank you, daddy, thank you. And then she immediately reads Pade Dewey Dambala off the card (laughs) that she finds with the dummy. Caro, Mary, Donna, Loma, Molino, Carano? Sounds like a foreign language or something. Which, of course, brings it to life as we see it arch its eyebrows fiendishly, which we will also see many times throughout the episode in Loving Close-Up. So, it's bedtime. She's practicing with her dummy. Big sister comes into her room. Hey, you ever try on my sweater again? It's curtains for you, Amy. And then Amy's like, I didn't try on your dumb sweater. And it was at this point that I thought, oh, Slappy, the new dummy in town, is going to shred that sweater. Slappy does not shred the sweater. Instead, in the nighttime, we see a little dummy hand carrying a paintbrush down the darkened hallways. And you're like, oh, I see. He's going to trash the painting that the older daughter was so proud of. Next morning, the painting is trashed kind of. All he's done is draw a couple little stick figures in the driveway, easily painted over. I was expecting some, like, 
insane slashes all across that canvas. I thought for sure it he was going to be a knife fake out in the sister's room and then reveal a cut up sweater. No, it's the kids version because or the cut up painting. Uh-huh. Something was going to be cut up, but no, no, no. But the next morning there is blood aka red paint all over the dummy's hands. So caught red-handed. Caught red-handed. But they're like, "Well, that's odd." Anyway, so the next day, she's doing some routines. He's getting real mouthy. She's like, no, 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 the dummy's talking. It's not me. He's calling the mom fat. He's calling the dad a big dick. I don't remember what he calls He's the like dad. He's like doing a, an insult comic yeah. kind yeah. of vaudeville routine, but leveling his insults at his, the family members, at their, their deepest wounds. Yeah. So what did you think of dad's song? That was your dad? Well, what a relief. I thought the cat got stuck in the dishwasher. <laughs> Amy, that's not very nice. Sloppy. And how about that mother of yours? She went to a store and asked the clerk if he had anything her size, and he told her to try the freight elevator. <laughs> me? But it's not me, it's him. So she's hanging out with her friend. She says, oh, I wish I didn't have a family. And it was at this point that I thought, ooh, Sloppy's going to kill these family members. And he... Kinda does. The next scene, he tries to womp the dad over the head with his guitar. Because as we've seen in the next scene of Family Show and Tell, the dad's like, really fancies himself a cowboy musician. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> and I mean, Slappy was just trying to do us all a favor, because he was no cowboy musician. So she body checks him and saves the dad, but crushes the guitar, and they're like, oh, Amy. And then they sit Amy down... And this has a lot in common with the last episode of Goosebumps we did because they're like, Amy, we think you might need therapy. I don't know what was going on in R.L. Stein or his army of ghostwriters' heads. I think therapy was going on. Therapy. <laughs> there, de- there's a definite uh, therapy through line in, all, in these episodes thus I, far. I think you are trying mightily to, to speed things up, but it must be said that at every fork in the road where something terrible has happened and Amy is telling them it's the dummy, they leave her with the dummy. They're like, oh, you assaulted your friend? All right, go to your room with your dummy. Yeah. Or like, well, oh, you destroyed your sister's painting? Okay, go to your room, stay well, with your they dummy. Well, they don't believe in punishment because... But also they're not separating her from the dummy. Well, they don't, but they don't think the dummy... I it's suppose they, they could have, sheer, if they were a had, normal set yeah. of parents, they could have said, you know, we're taking this dummy away. That's true. Right, but then maybe they were afraid she would act dummy. out even more. But it, it also must be said that the things that are happening are not that bad. It's all extraordinarily minor stuff, except for ruining the painting. That was kind of shitty. Right. But they're upset, and she's blaming it on the dummy. And yeah. At every she's opportunity. blaming it on the dummy. They had ten party. opportunities but to intervene. I kept, ex- I kept expecting the horror to like mount and the things slappy was doing to get worse and worse i mean trying to kill the dad that's pretty bad that's but it it didn't bad it didn't amount to anything all they all anyone saw was sarah or amy smashing the guitar he grabbed uh her friend's little sister yeah he's like whispering to her. her i mean and you know again all the parents saw was like some young friends fighting. She didn't see the crushed bones in the little baby's fingers. The next day, Amy encounters her friends on the street putting up signs for a dance in the middle of absolutely nowhere. It's a deserted street where no one could possibly see the signs for this dance, and they just walk away without talking to her. So Slappy is 
really fucking her over in the friends department. She's like, I'm not going to let you do this any longer. You're not going to abuse me, son. And she dumps him in the sewer. And the very next scene, she goes back home and her older sister is mopping the floor where there's all these muddy footprints. And she's like, tell your little brother not to come in without wiping his feet. But they're tiny little slappy footprints. And it goes without saying, those footprints are made of feces. Oh, yeah. He was in the sewer. Yeah, right in the sewer. So, cut to, she's in the bedroom, Slappy's in there, he came back from the sewer, he's like, you're my slave, Amy, you'll do my bidding or I'll ruin your standing with your family, and then the big sister comes in and she's like, yo, I I forget what she's even complaining about this time, but there's no end to the complaints, and then she's like, I didn't do whatever you said I did, (laughs) Slappy did it, and then she goes over there, and then Slappy sits up and turns his head around exorcist style. I was really kind of shocked that he tipped his hand, because he, he's really been playing it cool this whole time. He laid his cards on the yeah. table. He was like, hey, older sister, want to play? Subtle nod to child's play. And then she's like, whoa, whoa, it's all real. Oh, no, I've been treating you poorly. I'm so sorry. And then they run away. It's like Slappy cuts the power to the house. They're like, where is he? Where is he? They look up. He's in the chandelier, and he makes the joke, Nyeh, I seen better swings on playgrounds, which is a terrible joke because he's sitting in a chandelier, not a swing, and the swings in playgrounds are actual swings. Then he comes down, and I, he's going to, like, I think he's going to kill somebody at that point. Is he, like, strangling Amy to death? He's, like, riding her cowboy style. And he, he, even, he, he goes, yeehaw, at one point. And then he's, like, strangling her to death. And someone comes and, and like, body checks him away and cracks his skull open. And it was at this point that I assumed his spirit, which we see waft out of his broken skull, was going to go into the other dummy. And then, you know, we we're going to go through the whole process all over again maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't, but they're all, you know, they're all happy. Oops, Slappy's dead. Thank God our little brother saved us. And then the parents come in the house. The little brother comes in the house. He's like, I didn't save you. What's going on? I was gone the whole time. And then they look over. It's Dennis. And he turns his head to them and says, well, yuck, well, yuck. I'm glad to be back in the family. <laughs> it's good to be back in the family again. So I'm trying to figure out, Was Dennis alive the whole time and just never said anything? Was he brought to life at the same time as Slappy when she read the magic words? I feel like that's the most internally consistent, is that reading the spell brings dummies to life. And even if it's an area of effect, Dennis was only like nine inches away. He was in the house at the very least. No, I mean, he was was on the floor over there. He was on the floor. But would he have memories if he wasn't alive before that point? How would he know he was part of the family? We don't know how we the magic we don't works know. exactly. We do not but know. But there's like four more episodes with Slappy. Yeah, I mean, it seemed really easy to defeat Slappy. You just break his goddamn head open. That is a fatal flaw mm. many people have. Yep. So that is Goosebumps. S- Slappy's true power is to gaslight you. Yeah. Or to gaslight your Like every dummy. Friends. Right, um, because he's not physically powerful, right? Once you know that he's alive, you could just... Actually... He can heft guitars and... Actually, I gotta say... Um, choke out little the, girls? So, Slappy and the, the living ventriloquist dolls, etc. Draw comparison to Chucky, the, the serial killer slasher series. Who is hella powerful. But... While Chucky is powerful, he runs around like a toddler. 
and like you can kick him across the room and he's always like crawling under furniture to get you and stuff whereas slappy was more like a monkey he would like jump up into the chandelier yeah. he had like freakish strength um i kind of like the slappy style you know, strength. small and agile. Yeah, Chucky does manage to, to suffocate a man with a plastic bag at one point. I mean, that he takes a considerable does, strength. does, but Chucky's got that slasher superpower where, like, he can throw a knife at the right time to cause uh-huh. a 10-car pileup. Uh-huh. Um, it's not so much about, like, Slappy jumping around the chandeliers and things like that. And making terrible jokes. Well, yes, all living dolls make terrible jokes it was there was so many scenes in this episode of the parents sitting amy down and being like we really don't know what to do with you from low angles in the broad daylight in a boring living room did you count those touch angles i didn't i didn't bother oh man right so it sounds like you were not that into this episode i was not it was not as fun not as fun i thought this was a great episode at least they did have some like traditional scary visuals, like visuals that are supposed to be scary, like dark. I, I have yeah and I, shadows. And I stuff have like a that. note here that says great horror craft, great horror cinema. Shadows, close-ups on eyes, muddy footprints, POV shots, darkness. Yeah, there's just too much daytime family. They started the episode at peak family dysfunction. Like, it literally opens with, like, a montage of how every person how in the family is teetering on the edge. And, and trying desperately to hold it together with Trying to hold it day. together, and that's when Slappy comes in to destroy this family. But they it's unite and fight good. them back. Pretty this good. Was, I think this is based on a book. It was a really well-plotted episode. It was based on a book. It, it, it was, I know. But it was really tight. It was very straightforward and straight up the middle, which is, you know wouldn't pass muster for are you afraid of the dark maybe um you know it was conventional but probably the strongest narrative we've seen so far whoa really wow i a hundred percent yeah i guess maybe i'm just sick of these dummy stories because the dummy is like the most popular Goosebumps and right. featured heavily in the Goosebumps movie sequel which i <laughs> did watch right so a couple notes uh when the brother is playing the video uh, of his family, which is kind of creepy, because he's like, oh yeah, he's just videotaping his sister and stuff, and yeah, it, it's not great. I expected a lot more. He was like, "This is why Big Sis takes up all this time in the bathroom," and then she's just like <laughs> nicely putting on makeup. Well, she's I, I don't kind know what of, I wanted out of that scene on a kid's show, show, but... Right? She's kind of doing a... You know, she's like blowing herself kisses and uh-huh. posing and being coquettish in the mirror, etc. But throughout that whole montage of the video he makes of his his greatest hits of creeping on his family with a the camera, there's like a hip-hop remix of the Goosebumps, the Goosebumps theme. theme. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that on my... Which is crazy movie. because that's the song universe of in the universe. reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a it's a self-contained mm-hmm. thing there. Very strange. Whatever happened to toupees? I don't know. Maybe they still exist. Maybe they don't. I really Maybe, don't. I couldn't, they've gotten I so good, we don't recognize them anymore. Maybe. No, or, there's, uh, there's like hair plugs now. Or the, the surgery technology and the Rogaine or something. I talked to a younger guy who did, thought he was like Ted Danson has really good hair for a, an old man and I had to disabuse him. Was that a toupee? Yeah, there's a famous Cheers episode wherein Ted Danson, Sam Malone, who was obsessed with his hair, but also it was Ted Danson, took it off and showed Carla his baldness. They, they could have been a bald cap. 
No, he he's oh, he well. too bay. Oh, I was once working it's on the bay, TV upfronts when I was a page at CBS, and uh, Ted Danson forgot something in like the was green it his room. toupee? <laughs> it was a very small <laughs> bag, so it was either cocaine or his toupee. It was his toupee soaked in cocaine. Yes, <laughs> that's how he gets his fix. And what's interesting is that he's switched to a white toupee now, so he's kind of. Doing, going for the realism of No, that's, that's the cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another strange note about this episode, the musical stings of the trombone really sounded like farts. <laughs> can you cut in Again, they know the first... Like. Can you cut in the first mu- musical stings? Whew, clear the room. Yeah, somebody light a match. Uh, Slappy was, uh, was really... Let him fly. That's what the sister was doing in the bathroom all the time. My episode is Tales from the Crypt, Season 2, Episode 10, with the aptly named The Ventriloquist Dummy. So I'm just going to use the actual names of the actors involved. Easier that way. Too distracting uh, otherwise. So uh, a young Billy, who would later be played by Bobcat Goldthwait, is watching a ventriloquist act. Uh, and the pair is uh, comedian Don Rickles and his doll Morty. So this is actually Rickles and Morty. Yeah. And uh, I thought uh, an actual episode of Rickles and Morty. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez, Rickles. I sure like ventriloquism. Shut up, Morty. You don't get to have an opinion. I park my fist up your butt. All right, so... That's how it would go. Rickles I heard Morty. better puns on... I don't know. A playground. All right. <laughs> uh, so young Billy is uh, is just infatuated. And afterwards, he goes up and gets an autograph from Don Rickles. And Don Rickles is like, if you ever need any advice or anything, come and see me. Very shortly after, we move backstage where a showgirl has arranged a date with Don Rickles. By the way, Don Rickles is like the fucking Casanova in yeah. this episode. Yeah, we'll, All the women want him, and we'll, it makes we'll get no sense. Um, it, it is worth noting, and also very And he's Don Rickles. Yes. I mean, he's still Don Rickles. He's a youngish Don Rickles, but still. Anywho, uh, so after, after the performance, a showgirl is like waiting in his dressing room. And uh, she's like, hey, are you still going to take me out? And he's like, nah, I don't feel up for it. And the ventriloquist dummy, Morty, is like, yeah, let's go out, toots. And then cut to fire, people screaming. Uh, Billy looks out right of the window. Right next door. Billy lives right next door. Billy was staying in like in a, in a, ho- in a oh, hotel. Oh, I see. And he looks out, and they're in the Catskills or something, wherever horrible vaudeville still lives. And... Um, you know, he sees that there was a fire and a showgirl has died tragically. Title card, time skip, 15 years later. A fully grown Billy, played by Bobcat Goldthwait, arrives at Don Rickles' home. And uh, he's got a ventriloquist dummy with him. And he's there to get the approval of his idol. But uh, Don Rickles retired after this tragic fire. And he now has a black sock over his right arm. And he claims that he can't do the act anymore. So Rickles is really rude, and he's, like, discouraging him and trying to put him off. But Bobcat, you know, tells him that he's his idol, 
and he's like, all right, well, if you're going to do a performance, I'll, I'll come and I'll give you some notes. So the next night, Bobcat performs on the same stage that we saw 15 years earlier, and he is fucking terrible. And this crowd hates him. I don't even think he's practiced once. I'm not sure he's, he knows what ventriloquism is. <laughs> Head of the dummy falls off. They didn't even let him get a joke off. They start booing and hissing. And yeah. Well, I mean... It was the, a tough crowd. They tough were crowd. And they just finished watching the lady with the big titties sing Camp Town Races. So while, that's a tough act to while follow. While twirling uh, batons. Yeah. So this, this crowd was already like whipped up to a fever pitch. And I only say she style. had big titties because it's mentioned very specifically. I am not the misogynist. So after the show, Rickles tells him that, you know, he's not cut out for ventriloquism, uh, but he's very sympathetic about it. He's like, I know this was your dream, and I know your dream is dashed, and I'm sorry, but... You know, yeah, he's like a good guy. I'm sorry I keep interrupting. No, but. please. Um, it's true. You know, he's... For an insult comic that we've seen before, who's kind of really cantankerous and, and seems kind of bitter, he's pretty sweet. Yeah, very, very uh, nurturing. Bobcat <laughs> leaves, and moments later, uh, a call girl uh, hits on Rickles. And he resists, but he then feels like this strange, self-conflicted pang, and then he buys her a drink. Yeah. So shortly after that, we see Bobcat... Maybe he's drunk. Maybe he's just enraged. He's smashing the dummy and, and cursing uh, himself when he hears an anguished scream, just like he did 15 years before. And <laughs> Cut in anguished scream because it's whole weird. And he finds uh, the call girl dead in a car, doused in gasoline. So he immediately goes back, busts into Rickles' house, and catches him about to inject drugs into his covered right arm. And he slaps the needle away to save him while simultaneously accusing him of killing the woman that night and the woman 15 years earlier, which is kind of strange. You think the guy's a murderer uh, (laughs) to bust in his house and then try to pull a needle out of his arm? He's a hero, man. Yeah, that's true. I guess he has a conflicted relationship. But Rickles explains that morphine is the only thing that can keep Morty, his dummy, under control. And then Bobcat puts the whole murder accusation thing aside and very calmly and at great length explains that Morty is a harmless doll (laughs) and that he can't hurt him or anyone else. It doesn't matter why it's wood. So Bobcat finds the trunk, and uh, inside are Morty's clothes and a, a tiny little doll mask. Right then, Rickles attacks him and then rips off the sock to reveal that his right arm is Morty, a hideously deformed conjoined twin. A uh, little Freddy spawn. Total Freddy baby. Um, awesome puppet. Kind of looks like Don Rickles. Kind of sounds like Don Rickles, too. Um, I think it's the voice of Don Rickles. I think so. And uh, so Morty is, uh, he's crazy. He's goading him uh, to kill Bobcat with a meat cleaver. And Bobcat tries to tell Rickles, you know, you're in control. You don't have to do this. And Morty claims credit for everything. 
He's like, he's not in charge of me. I'm the only, I'm the funny one. I came up with the act. My brother's an idiot. So Rickles is enraged. He takes the cleaver to his own arm. He hacks off Morty, and he slumps to the ground, bloody and exhausted. And he says that he's finally free. But au contraire, mon frere, <laughs> Morty pops up and says he's the one that's free. He starts zipping around the house, attacking him, throwing knives, doing all kinds of crazy shit. Eventually, he bites out Rickle's throat and kills him. Uh, so Bobcat goes into a rage, chases him with a baseball bat. It, it's a whole long running battle that ends with Morty, the severed arm conjoined twin, uh, in a meat grinder. And Bobcat is slowly, oh so slowly, turning him into sausage. Turning him into an asshole casserole. Turning him into an asshole casserole. <laughs> And Morty is begging for his life, uh, kind of kvetching for his life. Oh, it's killing me. Oh, oh, oh it's Wang. killing me. Tearing the ass out of me. Yeah, you're tearing my <laughs> ass. You're tearing the asshole casserole out of me. So uh, he promises um, Bobcat anything. And, of course, Bobcat can't resist. He wants in on the act. So we later see Bobcat and Morty on stage. They're a total hit. And... Um, you know, Morty's got the dummy costume on, and uh, he goes off script, and he starts creeping on women in the audience. So they start arguing, and Bobcat, you know, tells Morty, you know, we had a deal. You need to stay away from women. But Morty starts laughing maniacally, and something painful is happening underneath the dummy costume. So Bobcat rips off the doll costume, and to the horror of the crowd and us... And Bobcat, we see that Morty has somehow fused his 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 gross little body with Bobcat's right arm, and he says they'll always be together. The end. Until he finds a meat cleaver. And the cycle. For a while, it was like Bobcat was just doing some weird performance art. He was like, ah, oh, yeah, you and me, we're we had a deal. That's the alt cr- comedy. Alt- I, I don't yeah. think the the vaudeville crowd who were vaudeville yeah, the Catskills is still a thing doesn't play there. No. Well, you know, this was from the '80s, possibly earlier. 19, it, do people still go to the Catskills, by the way? Because I think very old people. There were a couple episodes of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel where they go to the Catskills, and it looked like a rip roaring good time. <laughs> I would enjoy it immensely. I think. Is that where Dirty Dancing did the Dirty Dancing? Totes. Or someplace nearby. It inspired me to also watch Dirty Dancing. Anyway, so this episode, written by Frank Darabont... I know. Who also wrote, as Ryan pointed out earlier, one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets... Three. I don't three think mortars? that was the one... It was, if that's part three, It yeah. is part three. Yeah. Or, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't believe that's the one where we see Baby Freddy. I think that's part four or five. But if it is... Darabont's got a real thing for weird little mutant babies. I was surprised at the amount of relatively big names on the credits, like Robert Zemeckis. A lot of big names. Zemeckis, a lot of producers of Tales Walter from the Hill, Crypt. Walter uh, Hill, theme song by Danny Elfman, Don Rickles, Bobcat, Goldthwait, Frank Darabont. Tales from the Crypt is a murderer's row 
of talent. Of huge talent making largely mediocre product. It seems like kind of a product of the times that nowadays they'd be, you know, getting together on some highbrow Netflix show and back then you're like, well, I don't have any movie <laughs> offers this year. You know, we got to eat. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe they were. I got the sense that Tales from the Crypt was was kind of a beloved playground yeah, just where people around. could be transgressive and just do like madcap stuff because it's not like has been or they all went from corman to tales from the crypt no to... that's not true what i'm saying is that people I'm who just were joking major you know had really big careers all kind of passed through tales from the crypt at some point but they also started at corman I, but there was a there was a panache to it. There was a there was a luster to Tales from the Crypt. A lusty luster. I I really wondered what, if they offered the Rickles role to Rodney Dangerfield, and what what would have happened if they had. I'm not going to do the invitation, but it just seems like in, in <laughs> like, that time. Don't bring him up if you're not going to do an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking about it. You're thinking about I, it. I can't go up with any words besides no respect. Um, and also look at that hat. It's a great hat. Which one of us is the dummy? You. Oh, my parents sent me to the cat skills. Uh, uh, no respect. Uh, uh, I did that out. Uh, get no respect. Um, and also, I'm surprised for a plot that revolved around a horny creature attached to his arm that there's no hand job. No hand jobs jerk. whatsoever. Well, they did. Rickles did explain that Morty hates women. Yeah, because he, he can't love them in the normal way. Enjoy a woman in the normal way. As Ryan pointed out, he does have a definite type. They're all curly-haired brunettes. Well, so, so in this some reality, kind of we are we are asked to believe that women, attractive women, Cannot throw themselves. Stop. Well, one of them is a Don literal Rickles. hooker, to be fair. Right. But she was like, she was like, you remind me of my grandpa. Enthusiastic, which that's troubling wanted, on many. Yeah, she wanted that many money, levels, though. but still, we are we are asked to believe that. Attractive women are throwing themselves at Don Rickles at every age. Um, so I feel like it's not too much of a stretch that an unattractive woman would be willing to date him and his Even conjoined his brother. Yeah. I don't know, man. You're, you are giving a lot of credit to the human species. Well, when I saw those chicks hitting on Don Rickles, I thought, you know, there's some kind of... Well, he had bind. the air of mystery about him because of his giant gloved Because wa- the gross hand. black sock on yeah. his mangled right arm. So when yeah, women see true. mystery on a guy, they can't resist. Gee, I wonder what that feller's about. But they also like they the, say. The, the, the personality. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so here's a question. At the end of the episode, the cards are on the table. Yeah. Um, Morty oh, reveals yeah. his true form and also that he's bound to Bobcat. What do you think happens next? If that if the cameras were to keep rolling, I mean Bobcat is gonna just shut himself away, Rickle style, because or just think, go insane and be locked away. But would they would would they try to dissect the Maybe arm? Bobcat goes to the freak show, where Rickles was not willing to go. I mean Bobcat just wants the love, you know. He just wants the attention. He wants the fame. Well, I'll tell you. He probably does. I think you're right because, man, he never practiced ventriloquism no, no, no. at all. And I was wondering if it's because in the back of his mind he always suspected that Rickles killed that chick that night. Because, man, just, he comes to that conclusion real quick. Yeah, maybe. But yet he is obsessed specifically with ventriloquism. Yeah, and he, he never still pursues it. Oh, I could just do regular comedy sans dummy. Yeah. So much so that he has to go hunt down his childhood idol. 
after 15 after years. 15 years to make him watch his open mic performance i would say to this episode's credit is i genuinely did not see where it was going because there are so many <laughs> tips of the hat theme. To the, the kind of standard dummy narrative you mentioned earlier which is that you know it's the dummies doing it but you, yeah. everybody thinks you're crazy no one believes you that's a little thing we call the what the factor <laughs> the what factor the exactly. what the factor I couldn't tell if it felt like ever so often Morty would like exert mental control and make Don Rickles do stuff. Yeah, Don Rickles kept saying that he has a very powerful will. Okay, so yeah, that was happening. I didn't imagine it. Which without is like, the morphine. Yeah, he was injecting morphine, which apparently would. Because I think if you, in, I haven't done this, but if you inject morphine or heroin, it goes throughout your body. It doesn't like. Ah, but Morty clearly has some kind of self-contained circulatory system because he when he was severed, out. yeah, he yeah. was uh, he was running around the house. I'm free. <laughs> is what he said in his squeaky wrinkles. That's a sex move, by the way. The squeaky wrinkles. <laughs> All right. Do you want to rate these two bad boys? Let's do it. Scare factor. Scare factor. Let's start God, with goosebumps. It's so hard to judge, especially when you're watching in the broad daylight in your office. Uh, goosebumps had, again, it had the nice kind of um, mise en scene of like a classic horror. Agreed. But you knew the dummy was alive, like right off the bat. I mean, you knew what you were getting into. Even as a kid, I don't know if you'd be truly scared by any of it. I think the close-ups on the eyes. Of which there were many. Of which there were many. I mean, they, they, they. they I think it was effective. Yeah. Those eyes were creepy enough to. Well, it's it's to that hold the uh, uncanny valley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I thought it dun, was. Dun, dun. It was the most subtle of of all the things we've seen so far, where you would just something terrible would well, happen. That is for sure. They would show the eyes, and then the eyebrow would just be like, eh? Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like they it. were pushing it in the, the direction of horror in a good way. Yes, like whoever I think it was, was behind the camera. Like a classical horror film for kids. But I certainly didn't find it very scary. Okay. But I don't think I would find even, you know, a contemporary horror necessarily scary. Except for my weakness for jump scares. Well, which there were, were none. Were there enough jump scares in this episode for you? I peed my pants only once. The pee your pants factor. The Vink Factor was certainly zero in this episode. Vink Factor is low. You know, I was thinking about Tales from the Crypt and trying to apply a scare factor, and I don't know if we ever can apply a scare factor to Tales from the Crypt because it starts with a little stand-up comedy skit. Yeah, not you're scary. not meant to be scared. I, I think you're meant to to be shocked and to kind of you know, look at the gore yeah. and the kind of risque thrills. You're meant to be disturbed. or You're meant what, to be or, yeah. kind of disturbed and titillated. So the shock factor in this episode of Tales from the Crypt was fucking through the roof. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Tales from the Crypt is like vaudeville in that it's supposed to titillate and excite you and the whole thing was a metaphor. Whoa. Ryan, that was yeah. a haiku. <laughs> All right, gross factor. Well, I'm glad we got here next because unlike the last episode of Tales from the Crypt we watched, this one was actually gross. Super a lot of grossness. Gross. I mean, Don Rickles. Don Rickles, <laughs> deformity. Vink um, factor was like 14% for Don Rickles. Oh, uh, true. 
He did bring a vinkishness <laughs> to the role. Uh, hacking through his own arm. Yeah. Uh, the whole meat grinder thing and the hand fusion at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Gross Super factor gross. high. Gross factor. Uh, apart from the feces footprints in Goosebumps, gross factor low. I would a- say. Apart from feces footprints and family show and tell. I would say Tales from the Crypt maxed out. Yeah. Shock factor and gross factor. Correct. Okay, what the factor? Uh, as we've Very already discussed, low. Goosebumps, middle of the road, center, base. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Tales from the Crypt. Goosebumps Crypts. was middle of the road, but it, I think in a good way. In like a, a steadily, a, a steady hand on the wheel. Uh huh. Competent. Perfectly competent. Perfectly competent. Yes, indeed. But, uh, you know. Like we're saying, the Tales from the Crypt, what the factor, was high. Tales from the Crypt, I hated everything until Morty was unleashed. Because it was, it was boring and weird, and Bobcat is not a good actor. Did you not see Police Academies 1 through 5? I, just, I don't think I saw 1 through 5, no. All right. Probably seen part 1. All right. So, uh, what the factor goes to oh, yeah. Tales from the Crypt? Hands down, Tales from the theme. Crypt. Theme. Who delivered on the theme of ventriloquist dummies best? Well, here's the thing. Goosebumps, it was an actual ventriloquist dummy. Tales from the Crypt, it was a mutant masquerading as a ventriloquist dummy. I mean, but ventriloquist Bobcat dummy theme. did have a ventriloquist yeah, dummy. pretty high. I think it's probably, in my opinion, a tie for ventriloquist themed the in girl in goosebumps was an amateur whereas we had multiple Slapping fully himself grown... however was no amateur I'll, I'll give that one a tie i think everything wins for tales from the crypt except for <laughs> ventriloquist dummy theme because <laughs> yeah! they were both they were both on point yeah winner this week jeff wins tales jeff. from the crypt wins put down your spooks but it was me all along i led you to victory yeah. Morty, get out of here. No, no, Morty. That's uh. like the, what it sounds like when anyone dies in Tales from the Crypt this episode. Yeah, you're eating my hand. Now well, the I troll never, the crowd is says. eating me. <laughs> then he's going to envelop my hand. Oh, oh my God. God. Wow, you guys are good at that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, real talk, guys. If you had a child who is blaming things on a doll, would some small part of you be scared of that doll? I would be, through all my training from watching all of these mm-hmm. 90s kids Canadian shows, I would definitely be suspicious of the doll. Mm-hmm. And I would also be very suspicious of my child. I would not hesitate to jump straight to the sociopath slash psychopath conclusion. I'd at least want to get it checked out right off the bat. The doll or the De- kid? At both. I'd, I'd put them both in therapy. So, preferably a doll therapist. As a follow-up question, do you think that taking any kind of action against the doll, either removing it or locking it up or something like that, would would validate the child's blame shifting or delusion? I think that could send the child into a psychotic episode. You got to tread real lightly when it comes to possessed dolls. It's a tense situation. RM, your thoughts? RM Stein. It- S- serious thoughts? Yeah. Yes. Um, I would be and con- also non-serious. I would also, be, I would be thoughts. concerned for the child's mental health, and I think if you have a child and they say, this thing you bought me is scary and terrifying and I can't sleep and blah, 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 then the move would be to get rid of that thing. In that case, certainly. And it also depends on the age of the child. 
11, maybe they're just being a kid and using their imagination. 35, I'm going to start to worry. By the way, guys, I have something to tell you. <laughs> uh... I would like to think that no part of me would suspect that the doll is possessed or evil, but <laughs> you never know. I, you, ne- you can't I've take been, that risk. It's part of the culture. Yeah. I've I've been incepted with the idea yeah. that some, you know, if it was a ventriloquist dummy, uh, you know, I, no, I especially, might, yeah. I might, I might lock it up. I might take precautions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or at least read the spell backwards, or crack its head open. Second hypothetical: AVP. Slappy versus Morty. Well, okay, so Morty, until the very end, is attached to a Rickles. Yes. So he's not very mobile. Or, or twice as dangerous. <laughs> he could. He probably would out-insult Slappy. Although Slappy goes right for the, right Slap, for the Slappy jugular. Slappy goes hard. Yeah. Rickles. Actually, no, I guess Morty goes right for the jugular. Slappy goes right for the heart. Real tough one. I think I think I have to give it to Slappy just on his mobility. Although once severed, he once might accidentally severed. sever Morty, and then he'd be fucked. So, so you think uh, an untethered Morty? Untethered Morty is a might match. hold because Morty is flesh and blood, against. whereas as you pointed out earlier, Slappy's head is very fragile. Yeah, quite fragile when matched up against a brick, at least. Does it matter that Slappy is animated by magic? Whereas Morty is, as I said, flesh and blood. Yeah, you know, Slappy might be able to come back. I guess we'll find out Mm. next time. So you're giving it to Morty. I'll give it a Jason versus Freddy victory where it looks like Morty won, but then Slappy comes back. So round one. And arches his eyebrows. So round one, you give it to Morty. Round one, Morty. Now. Round infinity, Slappy. But, well, here's here's my follow-up question. The, The next bracket. In the playoffs, Morty versus Chucky. Oh, not Dennis. Dennis is too friendly. Dennis uh, is the one who fucking beat the shit out of Slappy, so... He he got lucky. <laughs> yeah. It was the power of love that saved Dennis. Answer the question, Ryan. What was the question? I got lost in thoughts of Huey Lewis. You can't blame me. So, in the finals, after Slappy versus Morty... We would have... Oh, Slappy versus... No, Morty versus Chucky. Morty versus Chucky. More, I think Chucky would leap into Morty's body and be like a double maniac. So, like, you're talking current Chucky, super voodoo, voodoo super power... Super voodoo Chucky, yeah. Body hopper. I think he body hops even in the first movie, doesn't he? Or the second movie, at least? No. He gets melted down in the first movie and then reformed as another... Okay. Yeah, but, but it's yeah, not Yeah, I think he would bodies. super voodoo hop. Give Morty the power, I beg of thee. Okay, then... If Chucky and then Chucky Morty possesses or takes over, then you'd have Slappy is magic based and Chucky is magic based. Yep. So well, I guess they that's would the better matchup. Team up to take on to to destroy the world. You really think that it's not a? There can be only one type situation. Not at first. Not they, at first. It's going to be a Game of Thrones like down the line. They're going to constantly backstab each other, but a Game of they're Thrones. They're going to constantly butt two? stab each other because that's the access. Like as Ryan pointed out earlier. <laughs> Fair enough. Special thanks to Jonathan Olson for composing our theme music. You can email him at Stepwise Studios to get your own electronic and synth pop songs. Jeff, Ryan. What? What's that coming? Is it more spooky episodes? Rerun for your life!